This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode of Witcher's Breakaway is brought to you by two particular sponsors. The first, our Patreon subscribers could not do without you. New stickers are shipping this week. Boochface, Get That Bread, Martin Van Buren, all shipping to you. If you want stickers yourself, you can go ahead and go to patreon.com slash Breakaway and become a member. We would love to have you aboard. And also, our Manhattan meeting on April 13th, we'll be doing an end-of-season Q&A wrap-up. Me, Greg, and the Knicks wall, who's also our guest today, will all be in person at uh, a place in Manhattan where we will have drinks with you and answer questions. So, if you want to join us April 13th, the tickets are on sale now. It is the pinned tweet at our Twitter, at Blue Shirts Break. And it'll also be in the description of this podcast. So if you want to join us April 13th in the afternoon at 3 o'clock, we'll be there answering all your questions. Maybe some special guests popping by, too. We'll see. All right. Good episode today. Here we go. Hey, Bushwick Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of the Bushwick Breakaway. I am your host, Brian Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan, and both of us are still alive. Greg, say hello. It's almost spider season, bro. Spider season? Oh, you mean like when you look at your window and there's like a huge fucking spider that scares you the entire podcast? Yeah, it's almost spider season. Get excited. Spring's here. That's how I know. I just, I know spring's here when it's still light out when we're podcasting. Yeah, I don't love it. It's I'm a weird, it's a weird feeling. I'm not a huge fan. It's, uh, you know, anyway. Rangers, it's really like we're getting to a point where there's eight games left. We're recording before we get into the before we get into the Rangers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The only thing more overrated than Bryce Harper, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. cats. So cat people are really hefty on how much they love cats, and I don't disagree because you want you want to know what cat people are though, Ryan. What's that? Don't do this. Cat people? <laughs> nope. <laughs> cat people are dog people who are immature, too immature to own a dog. Uh, I, I disagree, but I'm only because I'm not a cat person because I've owned too many cats. Like, I've owned too many cats to be a cat person in my life. I now I'm down to one cat. I like my one cat. He is an asshole. He wakes me up at night. He claws my back, and he rips shit apart. And I still like him somehow, sometimes. Even though his bowl is automated to say, I hate you. Please eat. I hate you. Um, but the I, best thing, the best thing I've ever heard, the, the, I wouldn't say maybe not the best thing, but the most common thing I've heard cat owners tell me is it's so nice owning a cat because I can leave the house for a week and leave food out and they'll be fine. If, if that's, if that's your reasoning for having a cat, then just, you shouldn't have a cat. I think you're it's really that. I thing. think you're like, hey, how can I tank Bullshit's breakaway numbers? <laughs> <laughs> You're t- we've killed. Can we just talk about how like how many fans we've lost over the past couple weeks? Not only in the same podcast, we not we just totally got rid of two fan bases. You were like, "Oh, wait, Sunny's overrated." I followed it up by Brooklyn Nine Nine's overrated, and we just split the difference and lost like thousands of listens that don't exist because we lost like six because we have twelve total. So it's it's been a tough couple weeks. Now you're gonna go and say cats are overrated on our podcast? They're terrible. 
Just oh get a different pet. God. Get a real pet. Get a dog. No. I'll, listen, I'm a dog person, but I'll defend cat owners and cat lovers everywhere. Uh, I get it. I understand. I'm just all. I'm just more of a dog guy. That's it. I think I just like dogs. You're. I know you. You've seen Homeward Bound. <laughs> Have I seen Home when the cat Homeward, does fall over the waterfall? Homeward I did Bound, clap a the, little bit. The only part of the movie where I thought to myself, <laughs> "Yeah, that's fine," is when the cat goes over the waterfall. And you go, "How did that survive?" Um, I don't go how it survived. I was like, "Good, cat storyline's over. Back to the dogs." No, <laughs> we're gonna lose so many listeners. And we're, cats, we're gonna man. take so much shit. All right, well, fuck him, fuck him. All right, well, I I still like my cat Alan, and I will post a picture of my cat Alan on my Twitter. Oh, Ryan Mead, and you could be like, Ryan, he's Ryan's like a little bit of a cat guy, like a little bit. He's not a full cat guy, but he's a little bit of a cat guy. You're just a giant pussy. Anyway, about the Rangers, I can't get over this. We're gonna lose so many or whatever. Um, the Rangers, <laughs> Brooklyn Nine Nine's overrated. Um, there is. Eight games left at this point. We were recording before the Pittsburgh game. So if something magical happens tonight, let's do a preview of what happened tonight. Wow, Sidney Crosby. Can't believe he scored two goals and that guy chirped at him again. Wow, that's crazy. All right. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say five two, Rangers lose. Yeah, that's fair. I will go I'll one up you. I say six one. Good. Um ah, Georgia's been better than No, that. you're right. I'll give it to him. I'll go I'll go four two. There we go. Come on, George. Um but the Rangers in general have eight games left. It seems like there's not a lot left to learn about this team and the development of the next eight games. I know that Hank supposedly, or was reported, went directly to uh, the coaching staff and said that George should start more games over the next eight games because he wants to, he says he's earned it, especially with his play against the Maple Leafs. Uh, there is no denying that Georgiev has owned the Maple Leafs this game, especially on his 23rd birthday, and also this game over the weekend that Greg and I didn't happen to watch together. So we were watching March Madness and also doing other things. But he's been an absolute monster. And the coaching staff would like to see what they have in Georgiev if they don't know already. Which is someone who seems to seemingly is getting better every single game. And has truly maybe unlocked his potential as a goalie. I don't know if he'll be a starter in it for any team in the league. But it seems certainly seems at this point like he could be. Now, I, re- I read that as Hank saying he specifically should start the Penguins game. Not so much Hank saying he should start the rest of the way. I read something afterwards that the coaching staff believes they want to see him against higher competition. Yeah, uh, I saw that too. I mean, we we talked about this a little bit off pod, but there's eight games left. We both agreed if the number of starts for Georgiev, including tonight, was below four, we'd both be surprised. I think that's safe to say. Yeah, I, I think it goes 5-3. It goes that's kind of where I'm yeah, at. I, that that's where my head's at as well. Hank ends um, the season or the last home game, and that's pretty much you know it. Yeah, I and at the same time, there's just no reason for Hank to be playing right now. What are you doing? Not, for multiple reasons. One, again, 37 year old goalie. Let's not grind him into the ground. And then two, just call a spade a spade. And it's not a knock on Hank, but Georgiev's just flat out been better right now. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm insulting anyone by saying that. No, I you know. If you're out there screaming at your radio right now, radio, podcast, iPod, whatever, iPods, uh, you're just wrong. Because even Henrik would say, hey, listen, that guy's been better than me. He's been playing out of his mind. I'm old. I want to sit. <laughs> Let me relax. I got suits to tailor. So it's uh, it's not a really a hot take of saying that at all. No, and Brooks, Brooks had the piece this week as well that Hank was basically saying the losing was getting to a mentally, you know, starting to show in his game. So he needed to recalibrate some things as well. I also had no problem with Hank saying that. This is this goes back to our conversation last week with Brendan. 
the, I don't care who the Rangers' next captain is because it's very clear who the Rangers' captain is. Okay. Yeah. And who it's always been. Even when McDonough had the C on his chest, the, that locker room reports to Hank. I'll end up caring at some point, but right now I don't. I'm sure I will end up caring. I'm sure I'll end up having a rant on this just, podcast and people call Hank. I just, I don't, he doesn't need to see for us to know who's leading that locker room. No, Hank does lead the locker room. Everyone respects him and looks up to him. I think that's very clear. That being yeah. said, the whole and locker room is he... totally different than it was like six months ago. Most of the guys Hank was like good friends with are now gone. Um, so it's, it, it's like, a whole different think of, situation. Think of a scenario where whoever the next, whoever the next captain is, don't you think that person has to go to Hank and kiss the ring before they actually get to wear the seat? Yeah, I think Hank has to kind of give the uh, ceremonial nod of approval, just like he did for Ryan McDonough. He was like, that kid's going to be the captain, and then he was. Right. So when you think of it that way, where whoever the captain is has to get Hank approval, doesn't that mean we all know who the captain really is? Yeah, it's Hank. Hank. Yeah, it's Hank. It's definitely Hank. So um, speaking of not playing anymore, uh, Jesper Fast hmm. done for the season, as reported today. At this is a larger point I was hoping we'd get into today, and I think this will end up being the, the main thing we end up talking about. Well, good news. We don't have much, so let's go with it. Right. Jesper being shut down for the year is good. He obviously has been playing through stuff. If it's been impacting his game at all, it's a problem and it needs to get fixed, and there's no better time to get it fixed than when the runs don't matter at all. So do it now. But we've seen it now with Brider playing through injury, Stahl playing through illness and injury. We've seen a number of guys continue to play despite the fact that they're not 100%. Now, what we don't know is just how there is a difference between injured and hurt, right? We've said this all the time. Through the course of a season, everybody plays hurt. It's, it's hockey. It's literally impossible to be 100% all the time. But at the same time, you're the New York Rangers. You sold off two of your best four players at the trade deadline. You've signaled once again that playoffs are not a realistic expectation for your team. You understand that you're trying to get more ice time for younger players, hopefully through performance, but if not for performance, just through opportunity. All these things to be considered. Why in the world are you playing Jesper Fast, a veteran forward who can't practice because he's injured, but will play on game nights. Chris Kreider, who is now your either not if not your first, your second most important player on the roster long term moving forward. Why are you playing him hurt? Why are you playing Mark Stahl, who hasn't had a game off all year, when he can't practice because he's so fucking sick from the flu? Why are you doing all these things if wins and losses don't matter? And the thing that should matter is just player health at this point, especially for the older guys. It's, it's baffling. It doesn't make any sense. The thing that really boggles my mind, and I think you and I have been... Okay, let's just get this clear. Greg and I have never played hockey at a high level. We have never nope. been in locker rooms. We are nope. blatantly blog boys and fans of the New York Rangers. Super hard about that. But the trope of... Hey, it's just hockey guys being hockey dudes. Kills me inside. <laughs> like, hey man, they're hockey players. They're gonna play. Yeah, they're hockey players, but they're also assets. And te- like, I know that is like a maybe like a wrong thing to say, but you're also like part of a team, and you mean something to that team. And by playing hurt in situations that don't matter, which is the end of the season for the Rangers, you're hurting the team probably long term. Right, am I wrong in thinking that way? Because hey, listen, if it's the playoff run, and you're making a playoff push. 
I get why hockey players play through everything. They want to win so fucking bad, and they're so used to playing in those situations where they, they play through broken foots or broken ribs, etc. But in this situation, there's nothing going on. So why are we playing Chris Kreider through a hammy and Jesper Fast through a ton of injuries and Mark Stahl through a, Mark Stahl should have been playing 40 games this entire year, and yet we're playing these guys over the youngins who need to get reps in the first place, who need, to, who need the development, who need the ice time in the NHL, who need to get their asses kicked on the ice. For, so for what? Specifically, specifically with Kreider, there are a lot of things that pissed me off about it because everyone was quick to throw out an excuse as if that excuse made more sense than the excuse previously. The ones I most commonly heard were um, Kreider doesn't want to sit games out for an injury because he's worried about his next contract. Pretty sure every other NHL GM knows exactly what Chris Kreider is at this point in time. So whatever Chris Kreider, not to mention the fact that he's had a phenomenal season pre-trade deadline, pre-whatever injury this people, is that popped people up. People know what groin, Chris Kreider is hamstring. when he's healthy. There's, yeah, we're not. there's nothing left to learn about Chris Kreider. His next contract is somewhere in the range of five to seven years at around six and a half to seven and a half million dollars. Unless his leg literally falls off his body, it's not changing. If he misses 12 games at the end of the regular season, a regular season for the New York Rangers that doesn't matter, his contract price point is not going to change. Not even a little uh, bit. Another one I, I constantly heard is the Rangers don't want to hurt his trade value by sitting him if they do decide to trade him over the summer. Oh First of all, God. if the Rangers want to trade Chris Kreider over the summer, you're only going to get full value for him if he's healthy. And if you're playing him hurt, I'm not saying it's going to 100% exacerbate an injury. At the same time, it's definitely increasing the odds by you making an injury worse by playing a player through it, again, in meaningless hockey games. And I know it's just a hamstring, just to cut you off for a second, but that still can exaggerate itself, can turn into something worse. It it started as a groin injury and then became a hamstring injury. And again, I'm not a doctor, but my dad's one. And I know some things because my mom's also a nurse. Okay. So I'm not an idiot when it comes to medicine. Your body overcompensates for one injury. It tends to create another. If you hurt your left leg and you start limping with your right leg, the odds of hurting your right leg therefore increase. So if one part of your body isn't working, the overcompensation of another part of your body, it's likely that other part of the body might fail. So I'm not saying 100%. Again, not a doctor, nor my Chris Kreider, nor my athletic trainer. But it's it, it's not like Chris Kreider had a hurt, hurt groin and then sprained his shoulder. He hurt his hamstring, which I don't know if you know this, Ryan, is super close to your groin. Whoa. I didn't. It makes you think. I did, though. Yeah. Definitely makes you think. It is a, um, an interesting situation where they're like, why? If Chris Kreider came to you and like, hey, I'm going to play through this hurt. You know, I want to play all that. No. You're not playing. Right. This is, this is the next point. The next point I heard from people were, well, maybe Chris Kreider said he wanted to play. That's cool. Uh, I tell work all the time I'd love to come in at 9 a.m., but since I'm not the boss, I don't get to decide my own schedule. Chris Kreider isn't the boss. This is like when the Noah Syndergaard denied getting hurt, an MRI. He sits. Well, okay. Uh, all right. That's I, did, not... I did it first. <laughs> uh-huh. Let, let's not go down that road. I have so, a lot of thoughts, and sorry. I'm saving them. Sorry, buddy. Uh, no, but that, that if management says that you're hurt in any way, and they want you to get healthy, 
the player, regardless of whether he likes it or not, has to get healthy. And also, people think the next response that I had from that is, well, if management tells Chris Kreider to do something and he doesn't want to do it, he might not want to stay here. Okay, if Chris Kreider gets that upset about not playing the last 12 or so games of a regular season where the Rangers are already mathematically eliminated from the playoffs and there's no hope, if that's the reason he decides he doesn't want to be with the Rangers long-term, you're probably doing yourself a favor by not re-signing Chris Kreider because that's psychopath stuff. And everything I know about Chris Kreider, and not that I've spent a lot of time hanging out with Chris, like we're just chilling in the hot tub shooting the shit or anything, because I haven't, and that's actually not, that seems like I have done that. I have not, by the way. Um, he just seems like an all-around good guy who's not thinking that sort of way. I, I don't, I can't imagine he would be thinking that way. The, the last one I that I heard where people were saying, well, Chris Kreider wouldn't like the idea of getting scratched. Okay, so are you telling me Chris Kreider likes the idea of getting moved off the Mika Zibanejad line, getting benched for third periods because he's not producing? Would he rather be doing that on a nightly basis because his performance has dipped and probably has dipped because he's not 100%? We- is, is that healthier? for Chris Kreider, the hockey player, to be in the proverbial doghouse because he's not playing well, because he's hurt? Wouldn't you rather, I don't know, just let him get healthy so that when he's healthy and you want to play competitive hockey games, even in a season, he can contribute? We watched what am him. I, I, don't, I don't think you're missing anything. We watched him be on maybe one of the first or, or one of the most dominant first lines in the NHL this year. For a while. And that sounds crazy to say, but really, Zook, Zibby, and Kreider were absolutely insane for a strict streak of like two months. They were totally nutsos. So the fact that he's looking at this like, I'd rather go out there, or, or maybe in this theoretical world, Chris Kreider's saying, I don't want to be scratched, I'd rather go out there and play. He's going to be put on the third line. He's not producing. Like, the guy's hurt. He shouldn't be playing. The staff knows he shouldn't be playing. There's no reason his value is going to change. Everything's fine. I don't know why it's a big deal. It's not. No, and this isn't – we're using Chris Kreider as the example because he's the clear example of what this should have been happening for this year for the Rangers. But this goes for anyone on the roster. I don't care if it was Nemesnikov. I don't care if it was Strom. I don't care if it was Nieves. I honestly don't care if it was Pionk. If any player is battling an injury at any point during this season, but especially since the trade deadline, shut them down until they're healthy. And if that's the rest of the season, then so fucking be it. Because, again, by taking Chris Kreider out of the lineup, yes, it sucks. But, one, you're buying Chris Kreider time to get healthy. And, two, you're creating an opportunity for another player that wouldn't exist if Chris Kreider was in the lineup. Would the Rangers be a better team on a night-to-night basis if Chris Kreider was healthy and playing next to Mika Zibanejad? Absolutely. Oh, you think? But if he's not healthy – is it more beneficial to see if someone like Brendan Lemieux can skate with Mika Zibanejad? Fucking right it is. What are we doing? I don't like, know. It's... I, it, it's, it's frustrating because I, I, I get what everyone is saying. Well, you know, big, tough hockey guys, they got to play all the time. That's <laughs> nice, guys. <laughs> but on a, se- else. <laughs> a season <laughs> like this, <laughs> that's what they all sound like. Yeah, you don't know that? I, know that. I, I read uh, that Twitter translate. Se- 100%. Mm-hmm. But a season like this, it's just as beneficial to allow Chris Kreider to get healthy as it is to give Brendan Lemieux an opportunity that 
never would have existed if Kreider was still in the lineup. Yeah, and, and nor, this, nor should it have existed if Chris Kreider was in the absolutely lineup. Absolutely not. I was, I, I was looking at our uh, the DailyFaceoff.com projected lineups for the day and the ratings for them. They're all in the lower 25s or 30s. <laughs> the reminder, there's 31 teams. Um, uh, and the Brendan Lemieux line, like, it's cool to see him on the first line and see him get some pairing time. He's kind of earned it. Other than Butch, He's been one of the better players for the Rangers. Not that anyone's really been good. We've been kind of shit. But that's fine because we're trying to do Tankathon. Speaking of Tankathon... I think it's time to go over uh, our takeathon odds of the week, if you don't mind. Right, sure. n- right now, the Rangers sit at a 71 points. They are in the sixth place for the ping ball draft spots. They have a 23.3% chance for a top overall three overall and a 7.5 one overall chance for Hughes. I was thinking about this this week. If we get the third overall pick, like what? Are, like I'll just be so sad. I think I think I would just be so miserable. Would you rather have the third or the sixth at this point? Like, does that even matter? Is it's like almost negligible from from what I've read? Uh, Drew is a much smarter man than either of us. But that's not even and a question. He would he would say always get the third pick because then you're just guaranteeing yourself that you're getting your guy in the next tier. That's fair. But yeah, it, it would it would it would. Smart a little bit not to get Hughes or Kako. But at the, at the same time, I don't know. I've always just been very, very mild about where we end up in the draft rankings. Like, we get who we get. And I know something's going to happen where we're probably all going to, first of all, overreact to the fact that we didn't take yada yada. Mm-hmm. And then within a month, we're going to be excited that we took yippity dippity. Oh, yippee dippy months- he's going eighth right now? I think he might go third. <laughs> And then in two months after that, we're going to be freaking out about when the Rangers are going to sign him to his entry-level contract because it might impact the expansion draft at a later date. And we don't want to make sure that we don't have to expose him so, all while not taking a spot from someone right. else. We do the stance all the let time. Me right? give you, so let me get, get this at. straight. Hold on. I want to just recap okay. something you did today. Sure. You, you annihilated and alienated both those things. Yeah. Probably a lot of our listener base by talking about cats. And then yeah, well, you stuck. anyway. And then you followed that up by giving away all of our content for the next six months. <laughs> Are you killing me? <laughs> this is unbelievable. Uh, You're truly betraying me. Well, you know, I am what I am. Yeah, it's unreal. I, I, I don't know. The funny thing is, and we're having our friends from the Knicks Wall on the podcast today, so this is relevant. I'm going to be distraught when the Knicks draft fourth or fifth. I will be the really will be drafting mad. fifth overall. We will be talking about yeah. that. As I've said on this podcast multiple times, mind you. However, if the Rangers, I think the highest the Rangers can realistically get these now is fifth. I don't think they can get better odds than that just based Correct. on how many points behind they are of the top four. Correct. Anaheim and the quality is in, of competition they have. Anaheim is in fifth. We have a game in hand of them, so we could lose that game to Pittsburgh probably well tonight as we're recording. But we can, fifth is still in the realm of possibility. I don't think fourth is in the realm of possibility. It is not because New, Jer- New, New Jersey is six points out. They would have to win three games, blah, 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 blah. Right. So realistically speaking, the best the Rangers could do is draft fifth or get the fifth best <laughs> out. But hey, Buffalo, who was really on a hot streak to make the playoffs, is right there tied with us. So They're we, fucking – they're a train wreck. I, that dude, team that's is bad. unbelievable. Uh, we could easily go down. To like the seventh or eighth spot at this point. Yeah, but either, either way, if the Rangers are drafting anywhere between three and nine, 
I'm going to feel the same way about it regardless. If they're drafting one or two, I'm going to be super excited. If they're drafting three or nine, I'm going to be anticipating what's going to happen on draft day. I wouldn't say super excited. I also wouldn't say super let down. I don't know. There's something about the second, this quote-unquote second tier that I'm very cool with getting anyone on that second tier. I'm not too worried about it. It's kind of – the NHL draft is like the middle ground between the NBA draft and the MLB draft, where in the NBA draft, it's not uncommon for your rookies to make significant impacts in year one. In fact, if you draft in the lottery, you're a little disappointed if your guy isn't making a significant impact. Where in the MLB draft, if you're drafting in that top 13, you know you're waiting three years anyway. So you're just, you're basically getting a name and you're seeing what happens from there. The NHL is somewhere in between where if I'm drafting in that top 10, I'm excited for the guy like I am for an NBA lottery pick, but I also know he's got a lot of developing to do like an MLB pick. So it's, I, I, I don't, I don't get too high or too low with the NHL draft. I think it's a little, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Irresponsible to get too on one on one of the uh, extremes with the NHL draft. I'm very curious. Leah Sanderson is still developing. It's been two years. Philip Hedl is still developing. It's been two years. Uh, Kravstog. Didn't sniff the NHL this year. We're not even 100% positive he's coming over this summer. Kind of sad he DeAndre didn't DeAndre Miller, we all agree he needs another – well, most of us agree that he needs another year of development. We don't really know if that development is the AHL or if that development is another year at Wisconsin. I don't think anyone is clamoring for Niels Lundqvist to come over. Igor Rykov has been in the system for a number of systems for a number of years, and we're just starting to figure out what his ceiling is. I don't know, guys. I'm not – What's the point of worrying about who the fuck the Rangers are drafting when that guy realistically is not going to be a major impact for the Rangers until 2021? The answer is... It just seems it seems a little nuts to the, me. Maybe it is a little nuts, but the answer is we care about the team way too much, so we take it all too seriously. And that's... No, but part- hold on. I'm in that we. Well, well how, I, I'm not, how am I any different than most of you guys? I was calling you part of we. You're, you literally are a part of this podcast. I was actually about to make the example of you cared about when you drafted Kalenic. You very much cared about that. And that's I the did, same, but that's at the, the same time, it didn't stop me from getting Edwin Diaz. Okay, that's this is a totally different point. Like, that's a whole different conversation. The point here is okay. that... Okay. Right. Sure, but even even when even when I was excited, and you know I was excited about Kalenic. I was too. You also, we both knew it was going to be three years until he appears in the major leagues. Correct. It, they, they have to go through the whole development time, but I will be interested to see... I mean, if we get Kaku Kaku, he's probably going to start playing next year. But if we don't, it's going to be like one Do of Do we know that? I don't know. But Are we I, sure about that? I mean, I, no, I'm not sure. I'm not positive at all. But I'm assuming he would be. He's second pick in the draft. He's probably good enough to do that. I can't remember. Is there, has there been a top draft pick over the, like, or top two draft pick in the past couple of years that hasn't gone straight to the NHL? I think Nolan Patrick had some injury problems in Philadelphia, but he didn't play a full season for the Flyers. He was like, he on went the, the on Heischer the, year. He was on the team, though. I don't think he was on the NHL roster to start the season. Hmm. I think it's more injury, though, than, than not making the NHL or staying somewhere else to develop. Maybe well, I'm wrong. How about this? Elias Patterson didn't come over until this year. He was taking the same year as Leas Anderson. Not a top two draft pick. That's kind of my point. Like the top two guys. Like- um, if we re- if you redraft that class even before this season started, yeah, I, I think he's one of your top three 
three talents in that draft. That's a fair um, point. Who, um, I will be heavily dissecting the person we draft no matter what. So it doesn't really matter to me. Did Hesk- uh, I don't think Heskinen got a lot of time for the Stars last year either. When I he- think this was Heskinen's rookie year. I'll have to double check. Maybe I'm lying to all your faces. That's a good point. I, um, you, you, keep, you keep talking. I'm going to Hockey Reference right now. Well, it, the thing is, no matter what happens with whatever pick we, we make, right? Like, let's say we pick anywhere from three to nine. You and I are going to sit here, mm-hmm. just like you said, and we're going to analyze. I was almost said analyze. That would have been bad. Uh, analyze mm. that player deeply, which would have been why, bad why I said analyze, um, uh, on, on every yeah, single Miro, level. Miro Heskinen appeared in zero games last year. Okay. And he was drafted... Uh, well, now you're asking me another complicated question. Sorry, I don't think that. I thought Hold that would be on slow his page. Computer doing slow computer when things he, when he was drafted. Um, yeah, we, we're going to analyze that player down to every single part of his game as soon as they get drafted and how they're going to fit in the future of the New York Rangers because that's what we do. So yes, I will go into this. I'm going to try not to fall for the Wallstrom trap, which is I wanted Wallstrom, and only because I read smart people. I didn't know anything about Wallstrom. I wanted them so bad. Miro Heskinen drafted third overall. By okay, me. fair. Still not top two, but yeah, you're making a good point. Okay, I'm going to look up Nolan Patrick. No, you're making a good point. Um, where Wallstrom, we sat there, we put our hands in our face, and we screamed about why is this team so stupid? And now we love craft stuff. I'm all about craft stuff actually. And on the Athletic this week, not a plug. Uh, they there was a Q and A, and someone asked Corey Promen what he, where he sees craft stuff in the next couple of years, and he said first line power play guy, uh, and first 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 line player and a power first line power play guy. So. That's probably fair for Kravtsov, and I believe he will become some sort of superstar player for us. Or not even, maybe not superstar, but an above average or great player. Obviously a first liner. And I Nolan will, Patrick did play 73 games last year. Yes. Okay. You were right about Nolan Patrick. Okay, cool. I was right about Miro Heskin. Hey, everyone's we're right. right. Nice. I like that. Um, but I'm not going right, to fall for the, uh, well, the Wall Street thing this year. I'm not going to fall for it. I'm not going to get excited. Right. I'm gonna just sit there and be like, whoever we pick and go, that's interesting. I wonder why we did that. Even if it's but not isn't that even if it's also not my overarching point. That's it, also my overarching point. It it is. But I would say my other point was we take it so seriously and we all freak out because we care so fucking much. But we also know nothing. And I think that's important to remember. And I think that's important. That's a that's not only important, but something that you and I admit constantly. Right. So ideally, what I want the Rangers to be able to do is I want my ideal draft day is the Rangers are in a position to get their guy. Right. And I think that's part of the problem with what the Rangers did two off seasons ago when they made the step on trade, because whoever the Rangers guy was, they were convinced he would be there at seven. You think it's Cody glass, as you've said multiple times. Well, I think I thought it was Pedersen number one, then Cody glass too. I, and I thought it was Pedersen. I thought their guy was Pedersen and the Rangers for whatever reason, believed that seventh overall was going to be high enough to get their guy. They were wrong. It wasn't. And I think number two on their list, whoever, it, it seemed like it was Anderson. And that's fine. They got one of their top two, but they didn't get their one. Yeah. I thought last year, so last year, it, it actually feels like Kravstov was their guy. Legitimately feels like Kravstov was the dude they wanted and they would have taken it number three. Like I feel, yes. I really feel that way. Like if they were at three, they would have taken Krastoff. I agree. Um, so it, I'm happy the Rangers got their guy, and I'm happy that it's working out. So when it comes to this year's draft, again, I just I want the Rangers to be able to get their guy. And if the, if the Rangers are confident they can get their guy at five, cool. If the Rangers are confident, more confident they can get their guy at three, cool. 
If the Rangers somehow dupe the entire world again and are able to get the guy at nine, cool. My whole thing is whoever the Rangers take next year, I just or this summer, I should say, we should just forget it about that guy needing to make a big impact in the 1920 season in order to justify that pick. Because I just I feel like we forget that there's developing time that needs to go on with these kids. Kravtsov is not going to play the top line for the New York Rangers next year. Is if we've learned anything from David Quinn, it's that there's no fucking way Kravtsov is going to play top line minutes for the New York Rangers unless he quote unquote earns it. There's no way. Whatever that means in David Quinn's eyes. But I if you see how they've handled Buchnevich this year, they see how they've handled Heedle this year, Anderson, D'Angelo, basically anyone besides Pionk, which is still weird. Even even Howden. Howden hasn't got top six minutes. No, he's been Howden's kind of buried. lived in the bottom six. He's been buried. Yeah, even when Howden was quote-unquote in, like, the guy. I got to stop saying quote-unquote. That's twice today. There was a time where it seemed like Howden could do no wrong. Even then, Howden was still just getting fourth-line minutes, third-line minutes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He wasn't necessarily busting down the door. Rookies worked their way up in David Quinn's lineup. If anyone's expecting Krasnov to play north of like 12 minutes a night next year, I think you're insane. And I also think you're just setting, you're giving yourself a reason to be angry when you shouldn't be angry. We're still learning about David Quinn. We're still going to learn more things about David Quinn next year. But we know enough now to know that if Krasnov comes over, he's probably a bottom six forward next year. And that's maybe a good thing. Maybe Krasnov will show enough talent where he should have an elevated position on the team. I don't know. We'll find out. I just, I, I, I'm nervous that people are putting too much expectations on where the Rangers are drafting and who they're going to draft without, one, knowing how, who that guy is, two, knowing how much time that guy needs to develop, and three, feeling like it's going to be impacted by what the Rangers have done in the last two drafts. It's just a completely clean slate. And I, I don't – I. Maybe I know I'm in the minority because I, I, we, we both see how often people are just clamoring about draft picks on Twitter. I, I am excited for the draft. I just don't really care where the Rangers are drafted. I just want mathematically to have a better shot at that top two. Because after the top two, I don't think it matters. And that's why I'd rather be in the fifth spot and not the ninth. That's really where I'm at. Sure, that's, where, I, that's where I land. I do, think, I do think where the Rangers are right now is where the Rangers are going to be. I think they're going to be either be sixth, somewhere between five and seven. That's probably fair. I mean, I really don't want them to get to nine. That's like a nightmare for me. Like a total. They'd have to, I feel like they'd have to go on a little bit of a run here to get to nine. And they look, who do we got? We got the Penguins twice. Yeah, they're playing right the now. Bruins. I think the Maple Leafs again. Uh, do they have the Lightning one more time too? I'll double check for you right now because I'm bringing it. They got a lot of tough games. I know the only game I remember seeing on the schedule that was quote unquote. Jesus fucking Christ. Oh, there he is. Quote um, unquote boy. I, 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 I caught myself, but they're playing the Devils again, which I'm sure the Rangers will win because the Devils are a dumpster fire. Yes. A dumpster uh, fire caught in a The fucking... schedule remaining the rest of the way. The Penguins right now is 0-0 in the first. Uh, Rangers, Bruins, Blues, Rangers, Flyers, Devils, Senators, Blue Jackets, Penguins. So there are two games there. The Rangers will actually be the favorite going into the game. The Senators and the Devils. That's correct. Yes. And the rest, the Rangers... Really, it would be a slight dog or a prohibitive underdog. Absolutely. Before we go over to our guest, the Nick Wall, we have a 
recurring theme, which we do every week, which is the five-star question of the week. If you want to ask a five-star question, you can go to iTunes right now, Scourge Blue Shirts Breakaway, or New York Rangers with the top result. You'll be able to leave a five-star result, and you'll be able to say ask a podcast question that we'll answer on the air. This question comes from, I can't say, it's E-Y-X, Heed. Exceed. I guess exceed. Hmm, okay. I love this podcast, and I watch everyone. Exceed, where is my, the camera that you've hidden in my room, and what am I wearing? Uh, my question is, can you rank the five best prospect Ranger defensemen? We can. We can do that. I, I lost the list I was using. I'm going to try and not use it. So here we go. Uh, okay. l- l- let's go one at a time here. Uh, Keandre Miller would probably be number one. I think that's fair. Uh, would be my number one as well. Okay, cool. Would you have Niels Lundqvist at number two? No, I would still have Libor Hayek. Okay, I have Hayek at three. Would you have, uh, would you have Niels Lundqvist at three? Uh, no, I'd have uh, Rykov at three. Okay, I had Rykov four, and then I have Joey Keane at five. I I would have Lundqvist and Keane to round out my five. Okay, and so we have the same five. That that's the good news. Those those are pretty much the five guys you're going to hear about, uh, unless we're missing someone that I I haven't. Uh, Ryan Lindgren probably just misses the cut. I just I don't think the ceiling is awfully high on Lindgren. I think Lindgren is an NHL defenseman, but. I don't even know if he's like a high-end second pairing guy. I like the other five better overall for their games, and I'd like to repeat that Greg and I know nothing. Right. I would. Let me put it this way. I think there's a chance Joey Keane doesn't pan out at all. Mm-hmm. Whereas but he's with a Ryan Lindgren, I'm, I'm very certain that Lindgren's going to have an NHL career. That's fair. I just think that the other players have a higher ceiling, and I judge by potential most of the time. Right, right. No, I... Any prospect list should really be leaning towards ceiling. Like, there's there's value in knowing an NHL player exists in a prospect, but there's a difference between being, like, the 21st guy on a roster and potentially being a difference maker. I think the odds are higher that if Joey Keane makes it, he's a difference maker, whereas if someone like Ryan Lindgren makes it, he might just be a plug-and-play guy. Absolutely. All right, let's go to our friends over at the next wall. Transition. And we're back with our first guest of the day and only guest, our old, 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 old friends, the Knicks Wall, who are MSG crew with us. Hello, guys. We have Kyle and Corbo. Which one? Everyone else works for me. That's Corbo. Nice. Kyle? What's going on, guys? Nice. That's two in a row. We brought you on today to talk about sort of the state that we're in, the state of MSG, or the the union address for MSG, which is uh, both our teams suck, and we're kind of just waiting for the draft. We're kind of hoping for the future. How has your tanking season been? I'm assuming miserable. Well, we're, I mean, I don't mean to brag or anything, but okay. we're a little deeper in the hole than you are right now, bud. Uh, well, are you? Because you have light. Like, the light is at the end of the tunnel. It's in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and it's there. Like, well, it's, it's palpable. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Kyrie is about as and I it I'm a little rusty on my Rangers knowledge, but I'm gonna say that Kyrie is like slightly less likely in my opinion than like Panarin is to the Rangers. Interesting. And then Durant is pretty much surefire. Yeah, Durant's a fucking lock. <laughs> like he's I mean if you, you watch him play recently, I, I I'm not so sure you you're that stoked about it, but Oh you will I, I, actually, I, I actually have stats about this. Uh, that I was prepared to bring to the table today if they came up. Uh, is this too soon for stats? No, I'm ready for stats whenever you're ready. Uh, okay, so so the Durant stats are are very funny over his last... You never come in with stats this early in our yeah, own Yeah, I, I know. That's why I was really excited about this. So his first 45 <laughs> games before... Well, this is th- 
it's not blaming DeMarcus Cousins, but it's just letting you know the different points. So the first 45 games before Boogie came back, he's averaging 28.2 points, seven rebounds, six assists, uh, almost 39% from deep. Warriors were rolling, 31-14 and 14 record. The last 25 games with DeMarcus Cousins back, still okay uh, aside from his shooting, but 24.3 points per game. 4.9 rebounds, 5.2 assists. Hmm. Uh, his shooting dipped to 25% from deep, and then they've won 17 and, and 8 over that stretch. And then finally, the last eight games since the Celtics lost, 20.5 points per game, 3.5 rebounds per game, 5.5 assists, 22% or 23% from deep, and they're 4-4. Four and four. And this was via at Pickup Hoop on Twitter. So... I'm just saying. Uh, okay. Could, yeah. could be. Could be nothing. So could be. What, what it sounds like to me. Time. What it know. sounds like to me is that if the New York Knicks are going to give Kevin Durant the mid-level exception instead of the max. <laughs> <laughs> that boy's no? going to get maxed out immediately. And also, of- you know for a fact that it's just the long grueling season in the NBA, just like the NHL. And he's he's not caring as much. And as soon as the playoffs start, he's going to turn it up. This is going to happen. For sure. I personally, as a Knicks, as a person who covers the Knicks, uh, I'm going through my late Kevin Durant stretch of the season right now, too. It's it's a little rough. I, I would say that we're it's also... It's a long season. It's a long season. We're also in that uh, in that conference where we just don't stop the podcast, which makes it even worse for us because it's not like we have a break coming up. We just keep going because we're idiots. Uh, but at the same time... Yeah, we, we haven't talked about that yet. We also, we also talked about how the Rangers should lose every single game and how they probably lose to the Penguins tonight. And they're up to nothing or two one currently in the first. So, Hey, what do we really know? We don't know. I anything. miss the Rangers. I, I haven't, I need to start watching more Rangers games. It's really like, well, it breaks totally. my heart. It <laughs> breaks my heart that I've been sitting here watching a 14 win Knicks. They just lost their 60th game of the season. That's a milestone. We just passed. Ugh. And like, it, it's just like, I'm man. I have so many great memories, like late college, cup runs all that stuff and now here i am in my mid-20s watching a 14 win knicks (laughs) corvo it's just life comes at you fast dude let me tell you what you missed honestly not much everything you described was is been gone uh and it might be fun to starting next year but i would start watching the rangers next october very easily not now i feel like the reason why we're going through we can handle this tank so well I feel like for the Knicks and I feel like for the Rangers is because there's a renaissance on the horizon. Yours is much closer to ours because you yours changes. Like if you get the number one pick, your next 10 years of your life is totally different. Like <laughs> everything you know in your sports fandom is just an entirely different thing. Whereas if we get the number one pick, nothing really – like things look better, but they're not like change, change. Because in the NBA, if you get Zion and you sign him for like, you know – you have them for the next 10 years, you're going to be like, this is the best. I love life. Everything is the greatest. I do, well, the Knicks I haven't have re-signed the first-round pick. The Knicks haven't re-signed the first-round pick since... Uh, I'm aware of this. Yeah, Patrick. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's been like nearly 20 years. So, I mean, it could just be from the next four years. Very fun. Frank, I, do, I do have questions, though. And this is going to allude to this little something that we're doing with you guys on April 13th at the Gin Mill in New York City. That people should come to, okay? And just so they know, so they can go to our Twitter right now. In Eventbrite uh, is the pinned tweet, and you can buy tickets for the Q&A featuring us in the next wall, where we'll be going over the State of the Union MSG in person while drinking some gin and whiskey and juice with our good friends and anyone that comes by and uh, orders drinks at the bar with us. Okay, there you go. 
Now, I do. I got questions for both of you. If there's anything that's been made apparent to me so far this year, it's that the Knicks rebuild and the Rangers rebuild, while with the same end goal, has gone completely differently. Where the Knicks have almost been exclusively playing the kids, and the Rangers have been giving the kids a little bit of tough love. So, has it? It's been a a rough 14 win season. I get that, but has it necessarily been at least a little bit enjoyable? Because you get the you're getting a whole lot of Kevin Knox. You're getting a whole lot of Mitchie Robinson. You're getting Alonzo Trier. Yeah, was it worth so, all the Emmanuel Moutier? I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's yeah, it's it's kind of been the opposite lately, especially like so. The Moutier thing is frustrating, and I said this on the pod yesterday. I think he gets a lot of grief for a guy who took a stride this year. You know, at least in his own individual game, maybe not for the benefit of the team, but um, he's he's just not a starter or not part of the future everybody knows this um and it's frustrating when you have multiple guys who could play guard like we wanted frank to start this you know at the beginning of the year and we wanted him to start probably throughout he drafted a point guard you should probably uh, i don't know try to play him at point guard and see what you have seems like a simple concept so they let him play like five or six games his first two games were pretty tremendous and then after that he fell off a cliff and they yanked him and then a month later, he gets injured and misses, you know, the last 24, 25 games. So um, it would have been nice to see more Frank throughout the year, but he didn't really get the chance. And then um, he was kind of weird with Knox for a while, and then he started giving him the big minutes, and now they're starting to peel him back a little bit. I think they thought he was gassed maybe. But uh, Knox was coming off the bench for a little while, and he was struggling to break 20 minutes a game for a little bit. And, um, you know, it – and then recently with, with DeAndre Jordan and Mitchell Robinson, it's like uh, basically if DeAndre has a, a strong start to the game, he, he, he's just in. He's just in the game. That's it. Like if he's played – like he played well yesterday to start against the Clippers and that was it. He's playing 30-something minutes. It seems like when he struggles in the beginning and then Mitch comes in, like Mitch always still has to earn it. Like Mitch has to come in and block a couple of shots and it's like, all right, the leash is a little longer. He hasn't fouled. He hasn't whatever. So it's – it, I don't want to say that the kids don't play at all because they, they very obviously do most of the nights, but then he does this weird back and forth with them. And it's always at like ill-timed spots, it feels like. And so I don't know what some of your frustrations are. I'd love to hear them because, you know, I, I don't watch them this day to day as much as you guys, but um, that's, that's something that we have struggled with with the Knicks too this year. I know Brian's way more vocal about it, but. Yeah, I, I, Ryan and I have talked enough about it where of obviously I think we'd both love for the kids to be getting routinely top six minutes. But I also, I don't know. I don't mind the fact that they're not just being force fed minutes because maybe they can't handle it. Maybe easing them into the lineup is the way to go about it. If they can get comfortable playing 10 minutes, then we give them 12. If they get comfortable playing 12, then we give them 14. So I, I understand that it's not like a – it's a bell curve with development of every player, and every player's development is different from the next player's development. So there, there's a portion of the Ranger fan base that is just raging mad that guys like Leas Anderson isn't getting more ice time or that Philip Heedle had to have time on the fourth line before he was given a bigger role. For me, it's – I'm more of the mindset that 
I have no problem if the coaching staff says, I need to see a little bit something else before I give this guy minutes. I, I, I just feel like it's, it sets a, a pretty decent precedent in the locker room that you understand the coach is holding everyone accountable at the same level. And he's not just prioritizing guys because one of them happens to be 20 years old. So I, I to that point, I actually don't mind it. It's, it's interesting. I, 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 it's the other point I wanted to bring up with you guys, because it, it feels like the frustrations with Frank this year have been very similar to the frustrations with Leas Anderson in some respect. So I know where the Rangers stand on that. I'm curious where you guys, where the whole Frank well, thing is. Cause I feel tell like me about, a, tell me about what, 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 where you guys are at with Leas right now. So I can get a good picture in mind. So Leas for me, uh, has a lot of development still to go. I, he's still sort of ranked highly on some prospect rankings. He has not been very impressive. I think when I've watched him this year, uh, in depthly, and I've kind of been, I've wanted more, especially from the seventh, seventh overall pick, but where he picks doesn't really matter at this point. Uh, I think he, he can develop a lot over the next two years and we have to remember that he's still extremely young, but I think the timeline is, is he like, a little different. Yeah, I think he's still 20. Uh, but, is it just that he's yep. like not converting and like, or is it like that? He just looks invisible in the minutes that he gets. It's more of that. It, one, he's not getting a whole lot of opportunities. And I think Ryan would agree with that. That's true. But Two, when he does have the opportunity, he kind of just blends in. I can't think of one moment this year where oh, I remember freaky. sitting back and watching right. Leas Anderson and just going, whoa. Okay. At the excellent. same time, so- Leas got stuck in a shitty Hartford situation, which is not entirely his fault. It is his first full year in the United States coming over from playing hockey in Sweden, which is a completely different game. And again, he's, he's 20, 21 years old. I feel like... The thing that hurts Leas the most, I think, in Rangers fans' minds is Philip Heedle has been a lot better than him, and Heedle was taken later in the first round. And Vitaly Kravtsov has been so fun to watch in Russia this year that people are already forgetting Leas Anderson's even a thing. All right. So, Greg, that, that is the perfect amount of information I need to know to give the uh, proper analysis on Frank here. So what you said about Frank being or, – or, yeah, about him being invisible – that or about Leas being invisible it very much translates over to Frank. He is he's so just frank. he gets these minutes out there, and you know you see him either hesitating on you know his shot or he's passing when he should be shooting. He's you know taking these weird you know when he does shoot it from like weird places, and it's just it's never consistent what he can bring game to game. That's the big concern that we have with Frank Nielakina. It's just that, and and the other side of that right now too is that. He's only played 42 games this year. This has been largely a lost season for him. He just came back uh, two games ago after being out with a with a groin injury since the very beginning of January. And in the next most recent game this past or yesterday, uh, he he you know had a, a bit of a tweak of that groin again. You know they held him out for the rest of the game. Um, the only the other the interesting thing though the comparison where it gets where for me. You guys had him in a shitty Hartford situation, but what Kyle and I and Brian uh, in large part have been calling for in our podcast in the, you know, the recent part of the season is we've been wanting Frank to get a bit of a stint in the G League. We've been wanting him to get that developmental da- time down there where he can play a bit of a bigger role and kind of learn from, you know, learn to compete against somewhat, you know, like talent of a, of a slowly lesser level. Um, 
so he could kind of acclimate himself back into the NBA a little bit more so, especially with him constantly being injured in these stretches and everything like that. So, but he never got that opportunity. Fisdale never sent him down there. He was coming back up and he would get like these weird stretches of DMPs. And then uh, all of a sudden he'd get, he'd get 20, 25 minutes again. And it was just, there's never been. And then sometimes he's starting at the one. Sometimes he's, you know, they put him at small forward. Something, you know, lately he's been the, the second guard in the lineup. So he's just never had a defined role. He's never had a, not, you know, a, a period of time where he can stay on the court for long enough for him to find any kind of groove. His team is constantly changing around with him with what his roster is looking like, so he can never really find chemistry with anybody. He's just never really had a good situation, and he's another guy who's like 20 years old. So it, it's he's, his adaptation to playing in the NBA has been rough, to say the least. And do you... Do you get? Are either of you frustrated with him a little bit uh, with with your um, with your Leah Anderson? Leah Anderson, thank you. Sorry, just, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't even trying to put you the name. You know, I, I feel like we should guys. introduce a segment at the live Q and A where Kyle just tries to pronounce guys' names on the roster. We'll do it. A good segment. We'll do it with me and Kyle, except I host a hockey podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm frustrated with Leah's because I, I'm a very weird. Hockey fan. Could have stopped there. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan is as well. Because <laughs> Ryan, Ryan and I, we both come from baseball backgrounds. So we both have this just ingrained notion in both of us that I'm not going to freak out about a prospect two years into their career. It just doesn't make any sense. There is no baseball prospect with the exception of the greats of the greats who figure it all out by year two. Yeah, there's like three, so, three or four guys every five years that do it. That's it. Yeah, so the fact that Leah Sanderson isn't what the Rangers want Leah Sanderson to be right now is probably a good thing because he's a kid. He's developing. He's trying to figure out how to be a child playing against men. So I don't mind that he's struggling a little bit, but it does feel like, and I think this transcends just about every fan base and every sport right now, the patience is gone. I, I, don't, I can't remember the last time anyone was really excited to just let a kid develop. In any any sport, it's either you got to be great right from the jump, or the coach isn't giving the player enough time to be great right from the jump, or the player sucks right from the jump. I I cannot recall no, the last absolutely. time. Absolutely, and that's what really on the Rangers or the Knicks had a minute to fucking breathe. Yeah, that's the same thing. Like the NBA, especially, it's it's really frustrating because the window feels so much smaller. I mean, you got these guys, and now they're going to be coming out of high school. But like, you don't even have a window between when they're drafted and when they're even, you know, going to make the team. If you're drafting the lottery, you know, you're on the team. You're potentially a starter on your on the NBA team the next year, and that you know that's really hard. It's even if you're you know even if you're Kyrie Irving coming into the league, you know what he did. It, you know, instantly you look like a prospect. You're still going to have moments where you look like a 19 year old. You're still going to have moments where you need to grow. And it's just, it, I feel like at that point, it's it's the hardest to project how a player is going to perform. And I think Kyle and I, especially, you know, we both obviously feel similar ways about about Neil Kina. We both want him to develop in certain ways. But we have had this argument at, at, at certain points in the season where, you know, I'm, I'm a more of a believer where Frank, I still give him a lot of leash just because of the fact that he is 20 years old. And I, I, you know, speaking for Kyle, it's like he's in his second season. He should have shown us something at least. And I think there, there's a lot of validity to both sides of the argument, but it's just, it's strange to me to hear so much talk about the Knicks potentially moving him at every opportunity that there could possibly be. So I, yeah. I look at this a little differently because I, I, while I am a baseball junkie, 
Um, I think I consume more basketball podcasts than most people. It's just disgusting how many I listen to. Um, I just think in basketball, if you don't have it by year two, for the most part, unless you're like a late bloomer like D'Angelo Russell or some other players, mm-hmm. you really find out very quickly who these players are going to be and if they can actually exceed or get to that level. And that's why players like D'Angelo Russell, when they develop in year four, uh, it's kind of surprising, like, oh, this is an actual guy. Where Frank actually might not be more than what he is now. He might just be an elite defender who can't score, and that's it. And he has a place in the NBA, but it's like the ninth spot in the bench. Yeah, this is this is kind of where I was starting to get with Frank, because it was like, I love Frank. I'm very high on the potential that he has and, and what he could and realistically should start looking like soon. And he's got to help his own case, though. That's what it comes down to, too. And I think it's good to be patient. And I I don't want them to trade him. I'm not giving up on him by any means. But he's been terrible this year. He just has been. And, you know, last year he had almost the exact same season. He was better defensively last year. And, you know, he was still very good this year. But that shouldn't be. And if it is going to be, well, what are you contributing on offense now? He scored the exact same amount of points on almost the exact same percentages with almost the exact same assists. And it's like, you know, like when you watch him now, like, yeah, you can see he's a little bit more confident. Yeah, you can see, you know, even if it's not an assist, he's really working the ball the right way or uh, making the right play or making the right read a lot of times. You know, he's a little bit better on the fast break. But it's like, those are good little bits, but those aren't enough to show a, a real stride or a real flash. And I think that's what it comes down to is you always want to be patient, but you you got you to gotta give me something, Frank. You know, here's sure. the, here here's the thing because that that it, I agree with everything you're saying, but the point is like when we drafted Frank at 19 years old, you know he was the youngest player in the league for a period of time. It's like this was the expectation coming in. This was always going to be it. You know, I I never really expected him to be. I've always expected him to be that player who develops in year, uh, you know, in year three or four, like the D'Angelo Russell type, like like Ryan's saying here. It's just like I that was always my expectation for him. And he hasn't shown us anything. And he's had a very similar season the last year. But there's also the fact that he, it, it, you know, he's had two large stretches this year where he's been out with it with a, a groin injury and a leg injury injury before that. And it's just like, I don't know how he hasn't had that same opportunity to grow. It's like I was saying, like the reason why he hasn't shown us much so far is because it seems to me that the the deck has always been stacked against him. I would just really like to see one season of of uh, stability from him, where he gives us you know a solid sixty five plus game year. You know, I I think consistency is really the only thing that's missing from his game because the the times where he has had those flashes, there there's been moments where he's looked great. Even his first game coming back from this injury, like he threw a beautiful full like full court pass to Moutier right underneath the basket in transition, like. There's so many really positive glimpses from him and his body would make for like an incredible NBA defender. I just, and the fact is the Knicks still have him under contract. They have him under contract for less than $5 million. You know, like we can play this out a little bit longer. We don't really need to be having this conversation yet. I have a, I have a Frank theory for you guys. Is the worst thing to happen to Frank, Chris Stapp's Porzingis? And I don't mean this in the terms of Chris Stapps is a fucking snake, uh, which is true. I mean it more in the term of Who? the Rangers. Went, Who? Right, the Knicks drafted <laughs> the New York Knicks, <laughs> the same team owned by James Dolan, drafted Chris Stapps Porzingis fourth overall, and none of us had any expectations for him off the bat. 
and he became a star. And then the Knicks took another young European prospect who had seemingly unlimited potential, mostly because we just didn't know a whole lot about him. And we expected him to be French Chris Dapps. And that's just not who he is. Maybe that's not who he ever was. If we took Frank without having Chris Dapps Porzingis, and Chris Dapps Porzingis was never in the realm of Nick possibility, I wonder if the, the tone of the conversation ever changes. Are we talking about are we talking about Frank just a young kid trying to figure it out in the NBA? Or are you talking about Frank as in, well, Chris Stapps had it figured out by now? No, I, I think most fans are actually really patient with him. Um there there are his detractors, but it's not they aren't as they're very vocal, but there's not as many of them. You know, I think most people realize that he really is extraordinarily young. I think in, in this past year's draft that Kevin Knox came out of, you know, I believe Frank was like the one of the five or six youngest players, or he would have been one of the five or six youngest players in, in this draft too. So he is really, really young, and I get that. And I think a lot of fans kind of understand that too, and a lot of fans love the defense because, you know, how it is in New York, everybody loves defense. And, is that uh, true? I, well, it was at one point. Um, it depends who you talk to. Some people like Moutier, so. Okay. <laughs> um, we I'll, actually I'll just, on- just to connect it, just to connect it back to the Rangers and Leah Sanderson and I, Ryan. I don't know if you and I have ever talked about this. Hello? I wonder how's that possible. I do think, I I do think one of the things working against Leah Sanderson for the Rangers here and why people have been hard on him is because it seems like Filipino gets it, and he was both younger and was taken after Anderson. So people get more frustrated with Leas because Heedle seems to f- be figuring it out quicker. I see what you're saying. It's like it's like how Robinson has succeeded so well. It, it you know it let's take Frank out of the occasion yeah. right now. You look at Kevin Knox. You know yeah. it's like Kevin Knox has seen you know in he most part mostly struggles this season, and you, you have Mitchell Robinson who is you know looking like a a force to be reckoned with in the nba for a long time and the knicks have him just like locked up to this beautiful contract um it, it's just he is getting it he's succeeding really well he is doing new things that really haven't been done on the basketball court before and kevin knox is shooting like you know under Zero. you know just... what, it, he's like 35 percent on the season or something like that you know it's it's trier has been like you know just as like bursts of fresh air that came out of nowhere and has stayed you know he's had some struggles but it, his successes have largely outweighed them this season so it's like you know you have this this rookie class this year and you have two guys who came out of nowhere or completely outperforming the guy who we largely tanked for last season um it, it, so I, I i see that kind of comparison affecting somebody like kevin knox more than frank nilakina right now i want to bring this conversation since we talked about Frank Nilakila, I'm just going to double check the time right now for 26 minutes. Um, I would like to talk. Yeah, that was inside basketball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd really like to just uh, go ahead and talk about uh, Jimmy D real quick if we can. Um, oh, please. Yeah, you know what? We talked about this in the podcast la- last week. Uh, we really like James Dolan because <laughs> it's kind of been a good run for us. And I know it's just a, it's it's so funny how we can have like this experience with James Dolan where it's like been okay. Things have been fine. Whereas you have this whole different relationship with him. Like, it's got to be a whole thing. I think, yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Kyle. I, I just envy you guys. I, I don't know 
I, I don't really get how you could be all in on one sport and just, I, I don't want to say for sure, but it seems like totally hands off in another and, and you work in the same place. I just don't get why he doesn't the touch the, the same side. at all. He just, yeah, just doesn't. He, and I just don't get why it, I will give him credit. Like aside from when he does his, uh, has his little issues, you know, during the games or his outbursts or whatever, the interviews that he has, um, he really has like from a basketball operations standpoint, been pretty hands off aside from the Phil thing when, uh, at the time, Phil Jackson tried to trade KP, and then, you know, Dolan was like, okay, that's enough. Uh, in hindsight, it was Phil Jackson right? Just want to slip that in there. Yeah, Phil Jackson, I guess, was <laughs> right, theoretically. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so I don't know, I just envy you guys. Just wouldn't it be think... nice if he's, he just always had been that way, and, and it had actually led to some success at some point. I think Kyle and I kind of exist in, in a section of the Knicks fan base that, yeah, like he's saying, like he's been the basketball has been largely hands off lately. Like I kind of trust that Steve Mills and Scott Perry are largely running the team at this point. I mean, he did that whole Michael K interview, which was something else. But, uh, you know, he admitted in there that he's like, yeah, of course, you know, the Kristaps Porzingis trade has to be approved by me before it happens. Uh, but like that's not unexpected. That's going to be any owner and any anybody. League, like much. that's not like yeah breaking news. Yeah. It, it, so uh, you know, I'm 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 not like there is like this. <laughs> there is like a group of fans I saw at the garden the other day who were like they printed up a bunch of sell the team shirts and they were going to different like oh, sections and they were going to try to start the big chance and everything. But I I mean I watched the game. I couldn't hear him or anything. But uh, I'm like I, it's. He's not going to sell the team anytime soon. He's not. It's like, it's like if he does, like it's going to be announced randomly, and it's going to take several months to like you know possibly well over a year to complete. Uh, like it's not going to happen anytime soon. He's in the he's in the news for like three days, and he drops off. Nobody gives a shit about James Dolan. And he's, you know, he's still going to own the building, by the way. He's not selling MSG. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he he is this. Yeah, and New York City wants to rip down MSG so bad. Like, oh yeah! So, oh man! If, so if James Dolan sells the team, honestly, the Knicks will probably have to find a new stadium. So will the Rangers. I mean, like, like I, I if he sells to an outside group, I could totally see them like opting to let the city tear it down and then just build a new stadium somewhere. I think that might end up well, being the case because we have to rebuild. Can we just can we just talk about how illogical it is that there's a multi-billion-dollar arena on top of the second most important transportation hub in New York City? Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's outrageous. It is. It's convenient, of, but dumb. Think of putting Jack <laughs> Rose Pizza. Imagine putting Yankee, like imagine putting Yankee Stadium on top of Grand Central. That just doesn't make any sense. Why would anyone do that? That should have just been New York's theme. Like the city planner for New York just put stadiums on top of all the the important structures. It's it's really is an unbelievable. Like I don't know how we got away with that. Back like, to James Dolan, real quick though. The Jets and Giants play on top of the Lincoln Tunnel. Oh my gosh, that's a nightmare. At least they play in New York, I guess. <laughs> um, dogs are in the house. Uh, a, w- a little quick about uh, back to Dolan for a second. He did make it clear, like in that interview with Michael K, that like he's pretty sure that they have free agents in the bag for both teams. Like he sounded cocky. He was legitimately cocky. Yeah, yeah, he sounded very cocky with that. He was like, "No, we're big shooters for free agents with both the Rangers and the Knicks." Like, yeah, I have a deal <laughs> yeah. with Kevin Durant and Panarin, like in place. Are you okay? Are you happy? You fa- you assholes? Like, yeah, I agree, but he's also such a little shit sting, and I can see him fucking that up really. He's gonna quickly. play the kazoo when they sign. It's gonna be unbelievable. Oh yeah, uh, listen he, to me. He he better fucking have something in the bag because you don't make 
as much as people might want to rationalize the KP trade, it made no logical sense from like the leverage standpoint that they have to make that move. So if you're going to forfeit that, like you, you better have something up your sleeve because it's going to be a really tough sell. If it's like, Oh, here's Dennis Smith jr. And friends again next season. Like it's going to be a tough sell. If you swing and miss, I have yeah, one. And we got two first round picks that are gonna, both going to be like 15 overall too. And yeah. that that's totally not worth it without Durant or, you know, Kyrie slash Kemba slash whatever second free agent. You almost answered my question. You're definitely drafting fifth. I both we both agree. I have two questions left. Yes, uh, we are. Here we go. If you get Kevin Durant, who's the hmm. one guy you don't want to sign as his second banana? Oh, oh, who is on the market this year? You have Jimmy He's Butler. DeMarcus cousin. Jimmy Butler, okay. DeMarcus Cousins, Tobias Harris, probably. Uh, you also have Kyrie Irving. You will also have... Chris Middleton. Yep, Chris Middleton will be out there. Look at us, NHL I'm, podcast. I'm guessing Jimmy Butler. Like, honestly, I would not mind. If we're getting Kevin Durant, like, if he's the first one, I don't mind going with the safe second star. Like, I do, like, I would not mind Kevin Durant and Chris Middleton at all. Uh, Kevin Durant, Tobias Harris, bring him home, North Babylon boy. Is he, um, is he a North Bad boy? He's a North Bad boy. I had no idea. That's awesome. Um... Yeah, Kemba Walker, another New York guy. I'm, honestly, I'm fine with him, too. I'd be fine with Kemba instead of Kyrie. I think Kyrie still is the number one target. Um, Kyrie also kind of like, I don't know. Well, I, 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 you I'm, do know. You do know, Corvo. You, exactly, you know exactly what it is I'm, about Kyrie. I'm not, I, I don't really give a shit about the whole, you know, player A is annoying to deal with. Like, it's tough to deal with. Kyrie is just annoying to me. Like, I don't know. His, his persona, his whole Instagram thing, like his birthday post the other day, his his woke per- personality is just annoying to me. So you're a little flat, you're a little flat on Kyrie is what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now we have arrived. Hey, we got there. Uh, my final question <laughs> is, rank the day. If Zion is the number one pick, you get the number one overall pick. What day in the, like, how would you rank that in your life events? Like, where would that rank in your life? Ooh. Wow! <laughs> like uh, now, Kyle, I'm going to well, remind you here that you're married. Yes, I was going to marry. Well, here is here's the deal. There, I I'm going to be very very excited. I'll probably buy a plane ticket back to New York that very moment, and just you know find the you know find wherever the nearest party is out out of Laguardia, and <laughs> we're all going to get together there, and it's going to be it's going to be a, a fucking celebration. But I'm also waiting on a pin to drop. Because if the Knicks draft Zion, there's a real good chance they flip him right away for Anthony Davis. That is such a mistake. I, see, I don't know that they would. Well, first of all, um, if if we get the number one pick, that's good. It's up there because I I haven't really fully believed in a prospect being this generational um, in, in quite some time. You know, I I really thought Luca had a chance to do it, but I wasn't as brash about it. I didn't feel as good about it. You know just seeing Zion literally be able to do everything like his worst trait is supposedly his shooting and he's shooting like 33, 34% from deep this year, which RJ Barrett, the one who's supposed to be the shooter that everybody likes because he's the shooter uh, is shooting 30%. So I don't know what you're supposed to do with somebody who's like a, a mini Shaq mixed with like, like Orlando Shaq basically with a jumper and, can pass and it's just can shoot threes. I would be very happy. That would just it's franchise altering. You know, KP was and that was a surprise 
to some of us that it was so good so quick to Ryan's point earlier, but Zion, I think like you're going to know right away what you're getting and all the hype and like see it be rewarded after a season like this. And really the last five or six years on top of the last two decades, uh, it would feel probably the way Ewing felt in 85 for a lot of older Knicks fans. I'll have you know I'm rooting for you. So like the only other team I want, I would want to see him on in the top because really there's some nightmare situations for Zion. Well, in the NBA, Cleveland, Cleveland would be yucky. Cleveland Phoenix, would be yucky. Uh, let's just go through this real quick. Phoenix is awful. Cleveland is terrible. Chicago, please kill me. Atlanta, I'll have fun. Memphis, why? Uh, Dallas is fun, but a nightmare for you. Uh, Washington, yes. Washington, please mm. kill me. Uh, New Orleans, no thanks. LA Lakers is the worst, mm. the worst outcome possible. And Minnes- yeah, that's sweet pudding right there. That is like watching that go down is real, real yeah, fun. If, right if now. you go. If he goes to the Lakers or he goes to the Mavericks, I don't think. And the whole the, the whole big baller empire is falling apart. I I would at least like I think it's fun if he goes to Dallas. Like I get you guys are hardcore Knicks fans, so I would understand that why that is not. But other than I'd be like violently ill. Yep. Other than Atlanta, I really can't see a team other than the Knicks. I'd even want him to go to at all. I would. I wouldn't mind him in Atlanta. I wouldn't mind him in Phoenix either. I think. Oh, I would definitely mind that. That organization is trash. Oh no, the organization. Hey, they got Jimmer for dead. I know they do. Jimmer's back. China legend. No, but like Nick's just from legend. like a just from like a basketball standpoint, playing with Booker and him might be pretty fun. He compliments Aiton pretty well. Yeah, shores up the defense. Okay. So like, I, so I'm saying like I could talk myself into it a little bit, but like you know, Cleveland, I would just think is terrible. Even you know, Chicago, Chicago is awful, man. Chicago, I, I really the only guy I'm really high on there is. Uh, is Lori? Lori's no, good. That. They got Wendell. I could go see Zion oh, like oh, every Wend- weekend. Oh, oh, Wendell's really. Oh, I could yeah, go. I'm hoping, for, dude. I'm wearing a Bulls beanie right now. Full disclosure, but I <laughs> am hoping for so uh, for Zion to land there if he doesn't go to the Knicks. How, so Atlanta how would be quickly, fun, but I just want to be able to see him. That's fair. It's selfish. How quickly would you guys stop following the NBA if the Knicks get the first overall pick and take John instead? You you wouldn't hear oh. from me for a couple of weeks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 I would go dark, uh, even to my my family and there, friends, my wife. But that is a uh, scary, likely possibility. No, it's not. No, no yeah, I, I don't think so. I, I don't. I, I think. No I think. Fucking way. It totally I, no, is. I, I think. Don't this, kid yourself. This this is too. This is too obvious, even for the Knicks. Really no, the, I mean, I, I could see this. this totally being a fucking thing where the Pistons he, draft Darko. He he got stifled in the game last night against Taco Fall. He got stifled on more than a few occasions, and he still put up like a thirty ten game, and like drilled three threes, and like you know he's throwing full court. He, you know he's left handed, but you know full court left handed bounce passes, and he just. You don't see you don't see guys his size do that, and I said it on our podcast. But he's like a like a refrigerator with wheels, you know. He's just it makes no sense to see him move the way he does. He just get it, it's it's too obvious. It's way too obvious, even for the Knicks. I think everybody knows that that guy. He, yeah, it, it, there's no way. There's no. I way. have no trust for this. God thing. bless Taco Bell. All right, um, I will uh, let you guys go. But before we go, make sure if you're interested. Uh, if you're in the New York City area on April 13th, Greg, I, and the Knicks wall, the two members. Right, who's going to be there? You're both going to be there? I don't actually know. I'm likely not going to be there now. Fair, because you're in Chicago. I, I got to fly in, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I will I, I will be there. Uh, former TKW podcast co-host Matt Stenley 
Oh, is, uh, I miss now, him. Now, now of SNY, he's going to be there. Um, we're going to have Bailey Carlin, another uh, podcast host for a time. He was with us. You got W alum. Now TKW alum, uh, our, our former merch man and graphic artist and more. Um, you know, he's going to be there. He's now with Sports Illustrated. So uh, we're trying to get a couple more guys from the site to come down. Uh, I think Ryan might be in a, make an appearance. Reed might too, if we can twist their arms. So awesome. we'll, we'll have some people there. Yeah, I have, part, I have a big part of me that's debating, like buying a last-minute ticket, but I haven't decided yet. We'll go fund me. And then um, uh, we're also going to try and get some special guests to come out for the Rangers side. We'll be going over all things MSG. Uh, during the uh, end of season uh, cry and hope for the future fest, April 13th, it is the, what is the name of the place again, Greg? I keep killing myself. The Gin Mill. The Gin Mill. Uh, April 13th starts at one or two, one of those times, but you can buy tickets right now. Nice. You can buy tickets right now at the (laughs) event fright on our Twitter. (laughs) I will post the link in the podcast description. Before we go, guys, why don't you plug your stuff? Word. Uh, you can follow me at Corbo Anthony on Twitter. You can follow uh, Kyle at Kyle Maggio. Follow uh, the Knicks Wall at the Knicks Wall. Uh, give us a listen. We host the TKW podcast. Uh, we record twice a week. We're getting to the end of the Knicks season now, but uh, you know, still, uh, we're going to have a bunch of our season-ending podcasts coming up. We're going to have all of our, you know, just kind of fun, introspective, summary type things going on. So. Uh, Stay tuned to that. Uh, follow our other co-host at Brian Gaberman. He's one of the most controversial follows on Twitter. I'm branding him with that. Um, the next wall.com. Uh, we have like, you know, I think we're at like 20 plus writers. Like we got a ton of people doing reporting on, on the Knicks. So if you're interested in that, you guys do a great uh, we got job. Tons of, thank you. Tons of other NBA content on there too. Uh, yeah, we're, you know, we're always trying to put out something new. Uh, just give us a follow on Twitter mostly. Yeah, we'd love to talk to you a little bit, and then you can figure everything else out from there. Dope, dope, dope. And you can come see them in person on April 13th with us, where we'll all be drinking and answering questions. Questions that you have, well, questions that we frankly might have answers for. Who knows? Uh, for Greg and me and all my friends, goodbye and see you next week. Bye-bye. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.